0: Under the hood <laughs> with Jonathan Hood. Let's get it. Tim crushes this ball. He throws the bat, the ball goes flying, and it is gone. Under the hood, behind the scenes, nobody really sees.
1: Four runs right in the air deep. Is it enough? It's gone!
0: Ball game over! Hey, I'm hot. Jonathan Hood. I'm hot. Brubisky, Robinson. A touchdown, Bear! Back with the interception. And Mac will take it all the way in for a touchdown.
2: A lot of this is behind the scenes or under the hood.
0: DeMark and not Running! Oh! He didn't come for the massage. He came for the fight Oh, baby! Woo! Jonathan Hood. Oh, no. Put a body That's on that man. Please Breaks
1: the hole. swift got running room. swift got to go! 30, 20, 10, 5! Touchdown, Swift! Under the
0: hood with Jonathan Hood. Uh, the man weeknights on espn 1000 and the espn app
1: Woo! Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Woo! hour number three under the hood on espn 1000 and the espn app i'm chris black along with adam abdallah here on espn 1000 and the espn app singing for jonathan hood tonight you can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Buck. We're live from the First Midwest Bank studio on State Street in downtown Chicago. We are here till 10 o'clock tonight. We are open for business at 312-332-3776. In about five minutes, we will hear from Mike Clay from ESPN NFL expert. What is Trubisky going to do fantasy-wise this season for the Chicago Bears and also the rest of the offense? So we'll talk with Mike Clay in about a couple minutes right here on ESPN 1000. Also, before the show is up at 10 o'clock, we will hear from Javon Wims. Who got a chance to talk with Carmen and Yurko today down in Bourbonnais for Bears camp. Lots going on in the NFL. We'll cover the Bears, and we'll also keep our eyes on Wrigley Field. The Cubs and the A's playing. We'll get an in-game report from Jesse Rogers at 930. Abdallah, let's start this hour off with the question, who would you rather have at quarterback in college football this season? Tua tunga or Trevor Lawrence? Both faced off in the national championship game. Both have won a national championship. Neither are seniors both heading into this college football season as probably the two front runners for the Heisman trophy which one do you think will have the better
3: season in this this year well i think you have to look at it from two perspectives if you're looking at it from the college football perspective and which is going who's going to have the better season as a college football player uh it might be Trevor Lawrence because he is going up against not as good teams in the ACC. He's facing lesser competition than Tua is in the SEC. The defenses are better. He doesn't have to go and face LSU. Like he's got, he's got advantages that Tua doesn't. If you're, if who's going to be the more dynamic player? I think Tua is the more dynamic player because he's got that weird Manzelian-type qual- quality where he can turn something out of nothing. A he, can, can- he can make magic. Exactly. He can make magic happen. And I think that that is something that Trevor Lawrence doesn't have. Now, who's going to be the better uh, college football or uh, NFL prospect I think it's Trevor Lawrence I think he's more of the prototypical quarterback that GMs are going to look for when they're looking to make a, a a a pick for who's going to be quarterback now that's not till for till two years from now and two is coming out this year because this will be two as last year because they'll probably be one of the first overall picks this year so I think you have to look at it differently it depends on what you're looking for in your quarterback statistically it's probably going to be Trevor Lawrence but as far as who could change game Game and who can create something out of nothing, to me it's Tua. That's, he's the more dynamic player, and I'm biased as an Alabama fan, but I, I think I would rather have Tua, tongue of Ila. If we look back to last
1: season, and uh, Chris Black and Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood, we're only four weekends away from Chicago's college tailgate picking back up on Saturdays throughout the fall. The three of us host that show, Jonathan Hood, Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. And the theme from last season, Abdallah, as we went through the year, was that Tua Tunga-Vailoa was the best player in college football, but Alabama was up by so much in so many of their games, he didn't play in a lot of fourth quarters. Mm -hmm. So the stats probably would have looked a lot better for Tua Tunga-Vailoa if he was playing full games, but he wasn't. Alabama's offense last year, especially in the first quarter, was so good. One of the best offenses, comparably, in the first quarter if you compare it to other teams' entire games. That's how good they were last year. And then you also get to the end of the season, the SEC championship game, the the bowl game, right? Tua Tungavaiiloa was injured, where Trevor Lawrence was healthy. So I understand some people immediately saying we'll go with Lawrence; he's the better quarterback. Look at look at what he did at the end. Yeah, but but Tungavaiiloa was hurt. He was, and if we would have ignored the hype story between the player who is a baseball player who's playing football, who might play football, but maybe he's going to play baseball we probably would have all voted for Tungvaluola as the Heisman, but it was a better story to give it to Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray deserved it. But listen, halfway through the season, we knew it was Tua's Heisman to lose, and then he got hurt at the end, and everyone voted for the other guy. It, it really was Tungvaluola should have been the guy to win the Heisman last season. When you look back in history, you're going to go, well, hold on, Tua had an incredible season, probably better than Kyler, but Kyler Murray was the story because Baseball player is he going to go pro
3: football? What's he going to do? Type of thing. Mm-hmm. He wins the Heisman Trophy, and I think that that's going to be the big story for Alabama this year is the health of Tua Tongevaloa and can he stay healthy? Because it was made uh you know a couple days ago. Obviously, Mac Brown is going to is going in there thinking he's going to be the backup. It's not going to be uh Tua's brother, Tulia Tongevaloa. So. You've got Mac Brown and that's a, that's a big drop off. Like Mac Brown's a decent quarterback and Alabama's made a living with decent quarterbacks who manage the game and just hand the ball off and, and are called upon to make a play to a tight end if they need to. But having Steve Sarkeesian as their offensive coordinator and having Tua Tungavilo, he's going to have to stay healthy this year for them to be successful in a national championship game for sure. Tua
1: should get bonus points having the deal with Sark. Uh, I'll just throw that one All out right. there. As a, a All USC right. fan, All uh, right. seven win Sark coming up uh, roses <laughs> with two of Tongue of ILO. Um On ESPN.com on the college football section, uh, Mike Renner, special to ESPN from Pro Football Focus. Uh, wrote this piece today, Tua versus Trevor, who will be better in 2019. Here's just the paragraph on the grades. The first thing that jumped out when researching the duo was how dominant both quarterbacks have been in the pro football-focused grading system. Tunga Vailoa's 90.7 passing grade as a sophomore was the second best we've seen from a quarterback in his second season of college football. Uh, Mason Rudolph's 91.9 in 2015 ranks first. Lawrence's 90.6 passing grade as a true freshman is even more unheard of and blows away every other freshman season we've graded. The next closest single season was an 81.5 put up by Texas Tech quarterback Alan Bowman this past season. So Trevor Lawrence and what he did as a freshman – is something that pro football focus has never seen before. Mm -hmm. And then if you look at Tua in his second season, it's the second best season they've ever seen. And Mason Rudolph made it to the NFL, and he's a backup for the Steelers. But he's probably not going to be a great pro. It it is pretty cool to see these two guys coming in hyped into the college football season with two teams who are going to be there at the end, and then we're going to be able to chart... The progression of both of these quarterbacks because they're both a lot of fun to watch.
3: Yeah, and hopefully Tua can stay healthy this year because that, like you said, has been the ultimate downfall. But there are other there are other great quarterbacks out there in college football this this season to watch as well. You've got Oregon's quarterback is really good. You've got you know there's quarterbacks all over the place that are going to make names for themselves that uh, that are going to try. To win the Heisman, but it's a it's a two player race right now, basically.
1: Yeah, until the uh, the multi sport player that has the better story comes along.
3: <laughs> like every year. last year, will
1: uh, be that every year from now on. Chris Black and Am Abdallah here on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. Let's talk now with Mike Clay from ESPN. He's an NFL expert. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Clay NFL. It's Chris Black and Amad sing singing for Jonathan Hood tonight on Under the Hood on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. Mike, let's get things started with this. Mitch Trubisky and the Bears. If you take a look at Trubisky heading into the season, what are your expectations?
2: Certainly hoping for a bit of a step forward, right? I mean, he was he was very productive in the first half of the season. Had that injury, we saw him kind of fall off a little bit down the stretch, especially in the rushing department, and uh, wasn't going downfield as often. But uh, overall, you know, one of the highest interception rates in the NFL, one of the highest off-target rates, actually sixth worse in the league last season. So. Uh, uh, seventh worst last year, he was sixth worst as, as a rookie. So I uh, want to see more consistency, more on-target throws, and uh, maybe he can take another uh, leap forward here in 2019. But uh, you know, so far pretty good. You know, as, as second-year quarterbacks go, he did fine last year.
1: Mike, from where you sit and you see a quarterback that struggles with target uh, efficiency, and he's seventh worst uh, in the NFL. How does someone get better at that? And what do you want to look at when you see him at the start of this season to say, okay, this is really progressing in the right direction?
2: Well, I think part of it's going to be the weapons around him, too, right? And I think he could get some help there. I mean, the offensive line we know is still solid. Actually, I would call it above average. You add Devin Montgomery, who's more dynamic of the target out of the backfield than Jordan Howard. You have uh, Allen Robinson now a full year healthy. You have Anthony Miller entering his second season. You add kind of a playmaker with the ball in his hands in Cordero Patterson. You add some depth with Riley Ridley. You have a healthy Adam Shaheen. You have Trey Burton in his second year in this offense. You have Matt Nagy in in his second year uh, running this offense. So uh, I think the supporting cast around him could be much better. There's certainly a high ceiling at the very minimum. Uh, So that'll help. Uh, You know, I'm not sure, you know, with Trubisky directly, I'm not sure – accuracy is something that's super super easy to improve. But you've seen guys, like, for example, Cam Newton we used to criticize, right, because he was always under a 60% completion percentage, but he also pushed the ball downfield a lot. And last year we saw a kind of a drastic change where he was more conservative, more high percentage throws, and it worked out very well. If you're looking at off-target rate, you're looking at completion percentage, you're looking at efficiency, a lot of those were sky high for Cam Newton, and that came pretty late in his career, if we're being honest here. So, there are ways that they can adjust this offense to kind of maximize the skills Trubisky brings. And uh, one of those guys we know is the ability with his leg, something that he couldn't do late last season because of that injury. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's done progressing. He's still a young quarterback, and uh, it's very possible he takes another leap forward this season.
3: You mentioned some of the weapons that Trubisky's going to have. The Bears completely revamped their running back room. You've got Tariq Cohen, who's still there, but then you've added Mike Davis and David Montgomery. How do you see uh, the production between those three running backs shaking out as far as fantasy production goes and just how the Bears will use them in their offense next season?
2: Yeah, it's interesting for sure. I don't think Cohen's role is going to change a ton, but I think it will drop a little bit. I listen. I love Jordan Howard. I think he's a very effective rusher. I even I like him coming into the league. He was an excellent find by this franchise. But you know, he's a guy you don't feel great about in passing situations. Montgomery, you can. I think he has that in in his skill set. Uh, you don't have to. You can use Cohen, but at the same time, if you're if you're hurrying the ball down the field. At certain points, whether it's heading in the halftime or late in the game, you can feel comfortable with Mc- uh, Montgomery out there as a rusher or as a pass catcher. So I think uh, Cohen's touches come down a little bit, but still, I think he's going to be a guy that's uh, you know going to be so busy as a pass catcher, pushing for say sixty catches, maybe three or four receiving touchdowns, that he's going to be a valuable fantasy asset. As for the early down, the two down roll, the goal line work, that kind of thing. You know, you might see Mike Davis mixed in more than you expect out of the gate, but I don't think it's going to take long for Montgomery to show the talent that he is with, you know, his exceptional elusiveness, tackle-breaking balance. I mean, it's hard not to think, uh, at least focusing just on field, their game. You know, it's hard not to comp him to Kareem Hunt just because he lacks, you know, the high-end speed and he has the, the size. Obviously, he's a good fit in this Matt Nagy offense who originally was under Andy Reid. I think there's just really a lot to like with him. I think the upside's massive. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see Montgomery and Cohen as a one-two punch, and I think we'll see that pretty quickly this season.
1: Mike Clay from ESPN, NFL expert, joins us right here on ESPN 1000. It's Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. From a fantasy perspective, who do you think has greater value on the Bears' offense this season, Anthony Miller or Taylor Gabriel?
2: I think, it, I think it has to be Miller. I think he has the higher ceiling, and, and listen, I say that knowing full well that Gabriel was clearly the number two last year. We're talking routes, we're talking targets, it wasn't even close. In fact, we saw Miller kind of drop off a little in the second season, or in the second half last season, excuse me, uh, in a variety of categories. I think, in fact, his rookie season was a little over overrated, if you will, because of the touchdowns, right? Like every other game, I remember it was kind of funny in the first half, every other game he was finding the end zone. Uh, but the, the volume just was not there to sustain that level of production. So, uh, you know, that, that said, I think Gabriel is best as a three. You know, he's your situational deep threat, situational playmaker. Whereas Miller, in his second year, I mean, he took this guy early for a reason, right? You want him to develop into a number one or two receiver. I think that we'll see his volume uh, increase this season, and, and hopefully he'll enjoy a breakout season. He certainly has an opportunity here on uh, one of the better all-around rosters in the NFL.
3: How much more productive do you think Allen Robinson can be with a full year of being healthy?
2: I, I think he can make a leap. I mean, we've seen it, right? It, you go back to before he got injured; he had that massive season where he led the NFL in receiving yards down in Jacksonville with Blake Bortles. So, if he can do that, why not, you know, get back on track and and then enjoy kind of a breakout Bear season here, uh, kind of a bounce back from that injury and and kind of kind of get rolling. I mean, he's still only twenty five years old. And he you know, he showed some signs last year. He showed flashes. He didn't have quite the fantasy upside we would have liked to see. Uh, you But know, we, we know he's one of the more talented players in the NFL. There's a reason he was so coveted in free agency last season. So uh, I do think he'll be better this season. I have him at 63 catches, 891 yards, six touchdowns. That would be an improvement on last year. Obviously, he missed a little bit of time last year. But uh, he's going to be – I think he'll continue to be – their top target getter on this offense, and certainly their top uh, option on the perimeter. So, uh, I, I think uh, I think that's a safe con- a safe projection for him. It would not surprise me if he was even better in his second year in this offense.
1: Mike Clay from ESPN NFL expert joining Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. One of the storylines across the National Football League that I'm interested in heading into the season is what's going on with the Arizona Cardinals. How should fantasy players uh, look at Kyler Murray and and kind of project where they should take him if they're interested in drafting Kyler Murray in, in their fantasy league?
2: Yeah, I think you should be interested because, you know, one of the one of the kind of underlying things that goes into projecting Murray is the fact that Arizona was 31st in the NFL in plays per game last season, but they very well to lead the NFL this season. They're certainly finishing the top five, which is where I have them projected. So that's big, first of all. They're going to push the ball down the field. They're going to run as many plays as they can each game, and that volume is going to add rushing attempts for him. We know he can run the ball. He had over 100 carries last year uh, in, in college, and... We know, at least as a, as a prospect, he's very efficient as a passer as well, and you're going to have plenty of, of uh, attempts in, in this offense, considering how, how much of a, a fast pace it's going to be. Keep in mind, I mean, we talked about him as a running quarterback, right? He set the FBS record for yards per attempt last season, right? I mean, this guy can throw it, too, uh, so we do not want to discount that at all. But, uh, you know, the way fantasy is designed, running quarterbacks can really put up a ton of fantasy points and Murray's going to be the week one starter. We can't always say that for rookies, even even first overall pick. So uh, I, there's a lot to like here. I have him with uh, over 100 carries this season, 26 total touchdowns. I mean, if you project it out, he comes in as a fringe top-ten fantasy quarterback. Though. So there's, uh, it, it's a rare situation where you see a, a rookie quarterback that could end up fantasy-relevant right away. You know, you think back to maybe a guy like RG3 years ago who was running the ball a lot and had a ton of value right away. I, I can see that with Murray as well. So if you're looking at quarterback and want to take a shot in the middle round, you're perfectly fine to go with a guy like Murray.
3: You wrote on ESPN.com earlier this week, 15 favorite NFL player props for 2019. And I completely agree with you with uh, Philip Rivers. I don't think there's a Chargers prop that I wouldn't bet this year. I've, <laughs> uh, and you have him going over 27 and a half passing touchdowns, but where does he rank amongst the uh, your quarterbacks going into this season?
2: Yeah, it's funny the the line on that one's already moving. So uh, get get those chargers bets in as soon as you can because uh, even even uh, I think actually eleven of the tw- uh, fifteen bets in this article have moved already. So not not the direction we like, guys. They got to get on them quick. Uh, yeah, as for Rivers, you know I, I love the talent. I, I do. I mean, who doesn't? The guy is one of the best uh, we've ever seen as quarterback. Certainly, talking pocket passers. But he hasn't been fantasy relevant. The guy has, has doesn't run the ball at all. We just talked about that a little bit with Murray and, and how important that is. He adds nothing with his legs and that shows up in terms of fantasy points. I mean last year he threw thirty two fantasy points and was not a, a, a great fantasy option, only six top ten fantasy weeks and he did not finish as a top ten fantasy quarterback for the fourth time in five seasons. So Uh, As as good as he is, he's not a great fantasy option in 10- and 12-team leagues. So, for me, he's down outside the top 15.
1: Mike Clay talking football with Chris Buck and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So, Ezekiel Elliott is still holding out from the Dallas Cowboys in training camp. How should people approach their drafts? I know we're still a couple weeks away from people actually having their fantasy drafts. But if Ezekiel Elliott is still holding out as we creep towards the first week of the season, how should people play this?
2: Well, I think we all learned our lesson last season with Le'Veon Bell, right? I mean, uh, we never really thought that was possible, that a guy, especially a guy being picked in the top five in fantasy, was going to sit out the whole season, let alone, you know, or, or even part of it. And sure enough, we, we learned our lesson, I think. So you have to be worried about this a little bit. Um, I think uh, right now I'm not going to overreact too much. I think I'd still take him in the first round. Melvin Gordon I would take probably in the mid to late stages of round 2 He's in kind of a similar pose there for the Chargers. But it, you're right. I mean, if we get closer to week one and there's no sign that he's going to appear, uh, you have to probably just cross him off your board. I mean, someone in, uh, else in your league is probably going to take him in round two, maybe round three, and and there's just a ton of talent. I mean, you can get Keenan Allen, T.Y. Hill, and Amari Cooper round three. Uh, you know, guys like Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Todd Gurley, and, uh, Joe Mixon in round two. I mean, there's a lot of talent in those areas where you do not have uh, to take that risk. So, uh, again, it's just... One of them things, we don't have the answer. We don't know what's in their head. We don't know when they're going to show up. So you have to factor that in. It's one more va- variable to consider when you're evaluating these players.
1: Non fantasy related, how do you think the Cowboys should handle this? I think that they shouldn't pay the running back because they have to pay their quarterback and the wide receiver and they have defensive players to pay. I don't think the Cowboys should do it, but they're in a tough spot because clearly this running back is so special in their offense and he makes their quarterback better, a lot better. So, how do you think the Cowboys should handle this whole situation?
2: I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm in that uh, you know, you have to devalue. Running back sort of boat, like you kind of just laid it out. You, you have to pay Dak Prescott, who I think uh, you know I'm on. I, I think Prescott's probably a little bit better than his reputation. Certainly, he has value with his legs as well. Uh, but you have other more important positions that you need to take care of and losing Zeke is just not going to be – it's not going to move the kneel down as much as it would other positions. So for me, if I was running the Chargers or I was running the Cowboys, I would definitely be exploring the trade market right now. I'd be trying to, to make a move to help my team down the road and finding alternatives at the running back position. You can do it. They don't, they're not overly expensive, and I don't think that you need a feature back to, to accomplish that. I mean, you look at the most successful team in the NFL over the past decade and a half. It's the Patriots. I mean – how much capital have they invested there? Not not a ton, right? They they do it by committee with guys like James White, and of course they spent a late first round pick on Sony Michelle, which was a little off brand, but nonetheless they kept the committee going. You know, he, they just used him as an early down uh, plotter. They they took a mid round flyer and Damian Harris. We've seen Eric Blunt, and you know Laura, uh, uh, Lawrence Maroney. We've seen just all the guys that have come through and, and been fantasy relevant at times, are, are productive and efficient. The backfield's always been efficient up there in New England. So I just don't think you need to pay uh, uh, a feature back. You don't need to do it in the modern NFL uh, to have success from that position or certainly as an offense. It's built around the passing game, and what you need is, you know, a guy that can really dominate in passing situations. And, uh, you know, that, that's kind of the strategy I would take, and I I don't think they're going to trade him because of the reasons you light out. You know, he's one of the faces of that team. But if I was running the show, I would not be uh, spending huge money on running backs.
3: Uh, it's not like uh, shotgunning beers is a fantasy stat, but if it were, Baker <laughs> Mayfield would be uh, ahead of the pack at least before the season uh, starts. But how do you see the Browns as a fantasy outlook, their weapons, you know, with Odell Beckham and and Baker Mayfield, now that teams see them coming and know that this team is somewhat for real?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to see what they do. Uh, I think Mayfield's going to have a tremendous season. I've been throwing 32 touchdowns. Uh, you know, I, I've, in, from a fantasy standpoint, I have similar concerns to what we just said with Rivers, right? Is he going to do enough as a rusher to be a fantasy star, especially when there's so many options at that position? We say every year that it's deep. Well, it's deeper than ever in 2019, and that could limit him a little bit, the fact that he's not going to add five, 600 rushing yards where a guy, you know, some of the stars in the league like Deshaun Watson or perhaps even a guy like Mitch Trubisky will do that. And, that, and when you count up the points, that's all that matters in fantasy, and that's somewhere where he could struggle while still throwing 30-plus touchdowns, being a tremendous actual NFL quarterback. So some slight concerns there, but obviously breakout potential. Nick Chubb I'm not going to have much exposure to because I think Kareem Hunt's going to come back at around midseason and eat about half of the touches in that backfield, and that's going to limit Chubb during the fantasy playoffs, which is huge. So keep that in mind. You know, Beckham, you have to love him as a fantasy stud, borderline first, second-round pick. That guy should be tremendous as Baker's number one target. Jarvis Landry's target should go down a little bit, but they could probably use him back the way he was used in Miami, where he's more using the short and intermediate area. That's really where he dominates, not downfield. We saw his efficiency drop a lot uh, last season when he was used that way. And then David Njoku, why not? I mean, with all the attention on these other guys, maybe he makes that third year breakout, could score five, six, seven, eight touchdowns. Who knows? Uh, again, a lot of pressure taken off of him with all the weapons around him. So Njoku, again, kind of a back end tight end one but yeah i mean man what's the last time he said the the browns were a hotbed for for fantasy right and and that's certainly the case here in 2019
1: that was mike clay we talked to him yesterday here on espn 1000 black and abdallah sunday mornings from 8 to 10 right here on espn 1000 we're singing for joplin hood tonight under the hood on espn 1000 and the espn app we hear from bears wide receiver javon Wims coming up next chris black and adam abdallah on espn 1000 and the espn
0: app under the hood with jonathan hood weeknights Thanks, on Jesse. espn 1000 and the espn app
1: chris black and Adam sitting in for jonathan hood tonight and actually you can hear jonathan hood tonight on the espn app he's on right now on the national broadcast And at 10 o'clock, when Dan Lebedard takes over uh, here on ESPN 1000, you can hear the Fred Coleman show on the ESPN app. Jonathan Hood working with Freddie Coleman tonight on ESPN radio. Black and Abdallah sitting in for Jonathan tonight right here on ESPN 1000. Every show during the day was down at Bourbon A today. Bears training camp. Only a few more days
3: left, Abdallah. I know. It's crazy how time flies. They're gonna the first preseason game is Thursday night. Time flies. They're barely there though. Time flies, Chris. Ah, uh,
1: see things are different than it was back in the day, Abdallah. Remember Maybe the early two thousands and uh, ten years ago. Well, I mean, listen. Training camp is not what it used to be. You it, training camp for football used to be this nostalgic thing where you grind it out in the summer heat, mm-hmm. right? Two mm-hmm. a days. Mm-hmm. You didn't have water. You you tried to fight off the heat and the exhaustion and become a a you iron sharpened iron tougher football player. Well, you know, people are smarter now about physical health, and they figured out that. The best optimal way to get a football team ready for a season is actually not grinding it out in the summer heat. So you rest. only go for
3: two weeks now. Let them let them rest. Don't play your starters in your preseason games, all that good stuff. Cap and Company, Carmen and Yurko, and Waddle and Sylvia
1: were all at Bourbon A today, and Carmen and Yurko had a chance to talk with Bears wide receiver Javon Wims.
0: Nice to have Javon Wims with us here uh, on our stage. What's going on? How y'all doing? How y'all doing? How are you? Doing pretty good. I I heard you are the best basketball player on the team is this true? Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> without, without a doubt. doubt.
4: Without a doubt. Who's even close anybody? Tariq is pretty good. Is he? Tariq Cohen is pretty good. Um one of our uh, guys who work for us, uh Aaron, he's he's really good. Yeah. Khalil is surprisingly good. So like surprisingly is, is
0: can Tariq dunk? That might be a silly question. I, I bet you he can. I mean, I know he's small, but he's, well, he's so only a, is he
4: five seven. On a on a like a very good day, he might get in there and <laughs> lightly throw it down. But probably dunk dunk he probably dunk a volleyball, you know? Yeah, he a dunk yeah. Tennis T- a tennis ball. Yeah, it's yeah. a T- 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 tennis ball, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely did, dunk a tennis ball.
0: How like how far did you play basketball until you said I've got to stick to you know like I
4: want to devote myself to football? Did you play all the way through high school? Uh, definitely throughout high school. I actually was only playing basketball in high school until my senior year. No kidding. My first college, um, you know, I was scheduled to play football and basketball, but I ended up leaving after the first semester. Yeah? How come? Just, I uh, just, you know, I wanted, you know, better for myself. So, yeah. you know, I took the risk and gambled on myself and yeah. it paid off. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, like,
0: I was just saying it was a year ago this time. You had that great game uh, against the Ravens in the Hall of Fame game. And, uh, you know, fans loved what you did in the the in the exhibition season. When you go out and you prove yourself like that, is it hard as a rookie then to not get consistent playing time when you feel like you did everything required of you in the in the exhibition season and in camp?
4: Uh, you know, it's it's also a, a growing process because you know, you got guys ahead of you that's been in the league and you know, I kinda just got in there last year. I was just trying to prove that, you know, I belong. So, you know, it's also just understanding time and understanding, you know, every opportunity you get just made the most of it. Yeah. So what do you have to do to improve to get take over for Allen Robinson as the number one guy out here? Um well first just keep learning from Allen because he's a very you know, good person to learn from. But also, you know, I just got to just develop my games and the details. You know, I feel like I can make the big plays and that come natural to me. But now it's just time to focus on the small details. It's amazing what's happened
0: here in Chicago since Ryan Pace has taken over. The only player from the University of Georgia I ever remember here was Kevin Butler. <laughs> but now I might be a bunch kicker. Of them. <laughs> now it's like Georgia North.
4: Georgia yeah, 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 Georgia
0: Northern. I mean, what's it like being able to come up here and see a bunch of guys that you know?
4: Uh, I can't escape them. I thought, <laughs> I, thought I was going to, I'm done with them in college, but no, nah, it's it's great to have you know familiar faces here with you. And, you know, your brothers you've been battling with since college, you know, Riley and Roquan. And I didn't even get a chance to play with uh, Flo, but, you know, Roquan uh, played with Flo. But it's great.
0: You trying to take uh, Riley uh, Ridley under your wing a little bit too? Show him a thing or two as he's a rookie
4: now? Oh, uh, yes, yeah, so as I've been in the door, you know, first before yeah. he did. You know, I try and just let him know everything I went through last year. Yep. And hopefully, you know, he can learn from it and avoid, you know, the, the bad things or the, you know, just – The tough days, you know, avoid that and just make it lighter on him.
0: Javon Williams is our guest. We're live at Bears training camp. It's Carmen and Yerko on ESPN 1000. So you talked about improving. You're obviously a ridiculous athlete, but that's only going to take you so far against these players, right? So what is it? Is it technique stuff that you have to work on now? And is that um, what you're
4: really trying to focus on to be a better wide receiver? Uh, Absolutely. You look at, you know, technique. You know, to be a great athlete, that gets you so far. You know, it's only, unless you like Randy Moss, somebody, it's only one super freak. Right. But other than that, um, you know, technique, Jerry Rice was a technician. He wasn't the fastest guy. He wasn't the strongest guy. But he was a technician. And, you know, he's the greatest receiver. Does technique just set up everything you're going to do? Like, is that how you
0: get separation? How you, uh, you fool a defensive back? Is it all just, you know,
4: what you're doing in those first few moments after the ball is snapped? Uh, yeah, you know, film, study, to understand how that defender you're going against, how he likes to play, and uh, understand his strengths and weaknesses, and then just trying to exploit those weaknesses. I always told Carm,
0: the, the, I first figured it out way back in the day when it all slowed down for me.
4: Yeah. When I went on the field the first time, it was like a thousand things oh, happening at the same time. I'm like, what in the H is going on? Has the game slowed down for you yet? I completely slowed down. Last year, it was like flying bullets. It was <laughs> like I was out there playing Call of Duty. Like, everything was just moving. So so fast. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're dead. Next what thing happened? Know, <laughs> I got to respawn. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, the game just slowed down tremendously for me. And now I'm able to go out there and just, I'm able to enjoy it and have fun.
0: Yeah, if you're thinking on the field, that's bad. That's that's horrible. bad. That's horrible. You what, don't need to be doing that. Was the Viking game your – what was – I'm trying to remember the first uh, action you got last year. Because you had a good game, You had a bunch of big catches in the second Viking game, I want to say. Right? I mean, yeah. like, are those the moments when it really does – you realize that, okay, I belong here. And that's when everything sort of starts to become clear and the game
4: does slow down? Uh, yeah, it's one thing to do it in preseason. But when you get a chance to do it in the regular season and then you think of the time, and the Vikings needed that game to get in the playoffs. Yes. So – you know they're playing their top guys because so they're trying to win, yeah. and you know just being able to do that against that you know that pressure, a team who got their backs against the wall, it just make you feel like yeah, I definitely know I belong here. Now. How
0: much better are you guys going to be as an offense? Uh, another full year for Mitch, uh, Allen Robinson, you know, full year removed from that that ACL injury. The additions you guys made, Matt Nagy in his
4: second year, what should we expect? Um, well, you know, we like to just continue to progress, and move forward. You know we everybody first time in the system last year. Now we got another year in the system, so we just like to progress. Uh, Prince Mucamara was up here with the show before us with Cap and Company, and he was singing the praises of David Montgomery. Does he look good? Yeah, he looked good. I mean, you know, our our management, you know, Coach Nagy, Ryan they did a great job surrounding us with uh, talent. You know, it's so much talent at almost every position. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. You think you're going to play a lot in the preseason or a fair amount? Uh, you know, we'll see. We haven't talked about it. I right. hope so. That's that's your time to go out and prove yourself again, right? Uh, anytime I step on the field, I try and prove myself.
0: I'm trying to get my timing right. Were you on that Georgia team that played in that nightmare national championship yeah, game that you lost? Yeah, I Yeah, I was. I got
4: What was know, that? I didn't what was the game. The, oh my! Head. I, didn't, I got hurt. I didn't yeah, the game. you got
0: busted up, but you had yeah. the experience that with you and your teammates. That had to be a just a
4: uh, gut a gut wrencher. Yeah, everything happened for a reason. You know, obviously you like to win, but. To me, the best game, to me, was the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl was because it was back and forth. Yeah. You know, they had the Heisman winner, Baker, and, you know, they jumped out on us early, and then we went to halftime made some adjustments. And that game was just like, it was like a nail-biter to them. Clemson, Bama, and Georgia, I mean, that's... That's the top three again this yeah. year, right? I mean, yeah. it's kind of been the last couple of years. Will this finally be the year for the Bulldogs? I hope so. You know, we experienced heartbreak back to back. We can't do it three times in a row. Now. <laughs> That's right.
0: Third time's got to be a charm. Yeah, right? third time's <laughs> <a song>. you, <laughs> would <laughs> think. Yeah. you would think. You would think. I, I s- hope
4: so. I see the Miami Heat shorts too. Are you oh, yeah. just like the shorts or are you a big Miami Heat fan? Miami Heat fan, Dwayne Wade fan. It's Dwayne Wade My Way favorite fan. player. Yeah, nice. From Chicago. Chicago's yeah, yeah, very is. own. Yes, yeah. That was my favorite player. You very get a chance good. to bump into him yet? No, nah, not yet. I, I hope so. If he ever listening, you know, i love to. You know, get some tips from a <laughs> place with one on one. You know, you know, show him shot. a thing or two, Javon, Yeah, you know, man. shadow him, pick his mind or whatever, because, you know, he's a Hall of Famer oh, in his man. sport as
0: well. So great. So you said Khalil is like sneaky good at
4: basketball, huh? Yeah, I mean, he's just such a good, good athlete, though, right? Yeah, like you see a guy that big, you don't think he'll have no type of finesse That's in basketball, true. but he's like. Can he, he shoot? No, like ridiculous. He the really? But he cheat, though, because he got a basketball court at his house, so uh-huh. he shoot all yeah. day. Doesn't everyone? Yeah, he invites <laughs> Doesn't everybody? <laughs> <up>. yeah, <laughs> that's that's not, we all have a goal right <laughs> out? No. I got a 30 by 32 in he, my backyard. He does have one in his backyard. <laughs> so, no, nah, he invite me over, and we just shooting back and forth. He's not missing at all. And I'm oh. like, yeah, this is your goal. You did <laughs> it on purpose. <laughs> is he just, I mean, is he, like, do you, as an offensive player, do you at times find
0: yourself standing on the sideline just watching your defense going, my God. I mean, the guy is Always. ridiculous.
4: Always, because I think sometimes, you know, we in the line of fire and we battling against each other. But, you know, amongst, you know, receivers, we're just stopping to talk uh, and we're just like, you know, we actually taking for granted how great our defense is. We have like So many guys on defense that are like top at their position. It's like not even funny. It's crazy. Super Bowl or bust for you guys, right? I mean, you really believe that? You guys think you're good enough, right? Oh, we on paper we have it. You know, we just got to continue to build from last year and you know. Hopefully, you know, we get there. All right. You excited for Thursday? First game?
0: I'm definitely excited. Yeah. All right. I'm definitely excited. Listen, good luck. Stay healthy. Keep up the good work. Uh, fans I are really liking it. what they saw last year, so keep it up, Javon. We appreciate the time. All right.
1: That's Javon Wims with Carmen and Yurko, heard right here on ESPN 1000. Carmen and Yurko, Cap and Company, and Waddle and Sylvie all down in Bourbonnais today on ESPN 1000. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah. Coming up next, why Draymond Green's new contract with the Golden State Warriors means... You can't really say what if at the end of the day with the Warriors. I'll explain coming up next. Buck and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000.
0: Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN
1: 1000 and the ESPN app. Thanks for listening to the show tonight. Thanks to... Eric Ostrowski and Sean Davis for producing tonight's show. Thanks to Ty Hildenbrandt for joining us. You can hear the podcast of tonight's show on the ESPN app and also on ESPNChicago.com. Just search uh, Chicago's Game Night and Under the Hood, that's where you can find the podcast of Jonathan's show each night right here on ESPN 1000. I'm Chris Bleck along with Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. Over the weekend, ESPN reports Draymond Green has signed a four-year $100 million extension with the Golden State Warriors to bring, bring... which will begin in the 2020-2021 season. The Warriors now have Curry, Russell, Thompson, and Draymond Green all under contract going forward. And Adam, when you take a look at the Golden State Warriors, the one thing that we kind of have to remember with this concept of a dynasty is there won't be a what-if with this group. We will see this end in front of us. The three key players here, Draymond, Steph, and Clay, they will be there together winning and losing. So whatever happens, you won't be able to say, well, what if they stayed together? Remember, the Jordan Bulls were pulled apart. The Heat with LeBron and Wade, they were pulled apart. And Bosh, Shaq and Kobe, they were pulled apart. We never got to see it actually play out with this Warriors team. We will be able to see this play out. If you hate the Warriors, you didn't like their style of play, you didn't like the way they won championships, the three that they've won to this point, you think that was all Durant, well, guess what? You'll be proven right if they don't ever win again. If you're someone who thought that this was great basketball and, and some of the best that we've ever seen in NBA history, well, they have
3: an opportunity now in front of us where they can prove to us that they are as good as we think they are. And I think that that's the main point, what you said about Kevin Durant and the the, the people that say, well, it wasn't real until Kevin Durant got there. You know, like they they needed another yet another star. They still needed the best player, uh, arguably, in the NBA to be on their team. So now it's a matter of... One, can they stay healthy? Can they win enough to, to get into the playoffs and get into uh, a Western Conference Finals or make it to the finals? What, Clay, what is Clay going to look back when he gets healthy? There's all these little asterisks that you can add to this season. and It's going to be extremely interesting to see now that they're not the hunted anymore. They can be the hunters and they can go in with this chip on their shoulder of people saying, look, we don't even think they're going to make the playoffs this year. Which is crazy to me. I, I think so, too. I think so, too. I know the
1: West is loaded, but, I mean,
3: and going forward,
1: uh, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green under contract for five seasons. Steph Curry under contract for three. D'Angelo Russell can be under control for four. So the core for the Warriors is set in place. That's a pretty good core to have Mm -hmm. if you're the Golden State Warriors. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Abdallah will be on Waddle and Sylvia at two, and I'll be with Cap tomorrow at nine. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on ESPN 1000.